good day. It's Mark Sylvester, your host for 805 Conversations, which is uh, part of 805 Connect, which is a project here in the 805 region, which is defined as that area from Paso Robles to the north all the way down to Conejo Valley and Simi Valley in the south. It's 185 miles from the top to the bottom. In fact, it is farther to go to San Diego from here than it is to go from one end of the 805 to the other. However, our traffic is much nicer. Today, we have with us Trish Miller, who is the license owner for Spherion. And Spherion is a, a partner with 805 Connect. You've been, you were an early and enthusiastic partner, and you're a, quite known in the community as you know you show up and you're involved in those things. So. Trish, welcome. Thank you, Mark. It's great to be here. We also have with us our sponsor of 805 Conversations, which is Patrick Melroy and Pull String Press. Welcome, Patrick. Hi, Mark. So nice to see you. Patrick brings a another uh, lens to look at these conversations through. He is a uh, an artist. Uh, he's a you know got a burgeoning podcast business. Has uh, is involved in the business community in uh, a different group than I normally talk to. So he's got interesting points of view, uh, which will be great. Uh, I was uh, my first business was when I was twelve, so I think about things more entrepreneurially. So uh, we're going to go in a lot of different areas, but I want to hear more about you and and how did you get to the eight hundred five? Everybody's got a. Some people at their fourth generation, but they got here from somewhere. So why don't you give us the the cliff note version of that? Right. So I, I'm a UCSB graduate. Oh, you're a gaucho. I am. Oh, great. I would have loved to stay here after I graduated, but there weren't too many opportunities then. Um, I got into human resources. Uh, then I got uh, a master's in human resources from the University of San Francisco, and that was my career path. Um, but after 25 years doing it, it just wasn't so much fun anymore. Um well, the thrill to, is gone? The thrill was gone. So I wanted to be in business for myself. I didn't know what to do, but I wanted to make some significant money out of it. So franchises have great success um, stories rather than you know trying to start your own. And um, I got into a partnership with Spherion. So I opened up the first Spherion office here in Santa Barbara almost eight years ago. Really? Yes. Right before the Great Recession. So oh, I learned a good lot. Good for you. Yes. <laughs> So when did you when did you discover you were an entrepreneur? Um I th- went to a franchise coach when I first started. A franchise coach. Yes, yeah, so that's there, such a jo- there's a job. There is a franchise coach, um, the entrepreneur source, and they present you with a variety of different businesses uh, that they think you might be interested in and good at. Right. And the Spherion uh, franchise was the one that I ultimately chose, although there were other ones. There was So tell us a couple of them. Wh- so who didn't make the list? One of the, one, the finalist was Sports Clips, which is a hair Sports salon for men Clips. and boys. Um, it's quite popular now. Oh. Right? So you go through a process um, where they see if you're the right person for them. You go back to their corporate headquarters. I went to Austin, Texas. Right. You do some. You do some due diligence. They call it Discovery Day, and okay. you spend a day with them. Um, so they were a finalist, but in the end, Spherion seemed right for me. Um, I'm a businesswoman for 25 years. I like right. going to an office. I like right. eight to five, Monday through Friday. You so like that part? I thought it would be the most successful for me. And recruiting is fun. 
you make everybody happy. Everybody. Really? In HR, Tell you never made it. anybody happy. So, okay. So, okay. I've got five questions there, but I want to go back one. Um, you said you got a master's in HR. Now, Patrick has got a master's in fine arts. I do. And I know exactly what that is. <laughs> but I don't know what a master's in HR is. What, what, give me an example of a class you might have taken. Well, it was mostly organizational development. Oh, OD. OD. So uh, when I, I got a master's bingo. degree, there didn't have to be too much in HR. So USF had one of the only masters in HR there was at the time. And so it was primarily involved in organizational development. So how to increase the corporate culture into a way that, you know, your business wants it to go. So I'm really, we're, we're interested in these conversations in culture and leadership. Right. That's, that's a part of the conversation. And that has never ended, right? Right. Right. Yeah, culture is, is so important. And, and leadership and employee and relations and I'm very, that will never end. I'm very interested in organizational development because um, 805 Connect is built on a platform. That's my business is creating platforms of connective tissue for audiences. And we were asked to do that here in the region, and we did. It's a, a community service effort, if you will. But I work with customers where a client in New York right now who's got 12,000 employees and a huge organizational development challenge. How do they reinvent this 150-year-old company? And they look at us providing the connective tissue to help them. But And I weren't, wasn't sure we were going to go into organizational development, but does that still show up in your day-to-day -day work when you're hiring people? What Do you look at through a lens of organizational development with these entrepreneurs? Well, we look at cultural matches. Cultural matches. Cultural matches. You know, there are employees that are just good at some things in some environments, just like when I was going to choose my franchise. I just knew which environment was for mm. the best for me. Mm. Um, and then we look, we try to be partners with our clients to find out more about them and what kind of people are successful. There are a number of assessments, employees can take now to find out what kind of person they are and how they fit in. So it's a cultural match. And that helps with organizational development. And diversity is still important, right? You don't want everybody to be exactly the same. Right. But that's not what I mean by a cultural match either. I mean, we still encourage diversity. It's not like everybody's a robot that fits in together. But they just need to all feel the same way, like the entrepreneurial environment. Not everybody's into that. Some people need structure. They want rules. They want to you to tell them what to do. That's just the way they are. That's how they're comfortable. That's how they're most successful. But entrepreneurs don't like rules. They don't like policies and procedures usually. So Pretty much we don't. No. But creativity craves constraint. Right. <laughs> right. You know, you, you need to know what, what the boundaries are of those things. And what is the... If I were to think about an organizational development initiative, what's the mission statement for that? That's a good question. It's just it's kind of a context, something that needs to be in context, really, about what the mission is for organizational development. The mission may be um, for everybody everybody to understand the mission. That could okay. be an OD. That's a big one. Sure. OD thing. So communication. Yeah. Right. Communication. People don't know what we're. What are we doing here? Oh, right. well, we've got to turn the ship two degrees. So that five years from now, we'll be in a completely different place. And that probably is the latest OD thing, is the mission. Everybody should have a mission, and all your employees should understand what your mission is. And they say to post your mission up on your walls. And 
everybody should know where you want to go in the next five years? I would say that's also coupled with the gamification of management. Right, gamification. Is that meaning, one of your words? Yeah, you just bingoed yourself. Oh, gamification. Uh, so we, so uh, <laughs> gosh, I so busted. Uh, uh, as, as our as our listener knows, we play this game called Buzzword Bingo, and uh, it's also a new game for everyone. And it's when we find words that, in a certain context, we have no idea what they mean. Gamification is uh, we think about playing games, and games. I I know what the rules are. I know what the mission is to get a high score. I've opted into the game. I'm having fun with it. And there are there's a scoreboard that's measuring my progress. Those are the five principles of gamification. There's a whole industry called the serious games industry where they apply those that thinking to training and development is probably one of the biggest ones, where you gamify the learning experience so that people will actually be engaged with that thing they don't want to do. I don't want to sit and learn this new product. Uh, HP's got a printer. It's going to be shipped out to every office max on the planet. So they're going to create an app to learn all the aspects of that printer. And I'm going to, I mean, how do I turn training into a game People figure that out. So that's the gamification of it. And part of that is the mission. What are we here collectively to do? And so maybe I've just come up with a new business. Nicely done. I want to know what the uh, the mission for uh, Spherion is. There you go. Well, our mission is to um, find careers for our candidates and find employees for our clients. Pretty simple. It's, I hear so often when I hear different companies throw out their mission as almost as like an advertisement to like, you should come work for us. This is our mission. And it's, it's four paragraphs long and tr- is trying to cover everything. Mm. And so it's, it's always really refreshing to hear something that's like, no, this is, our, this, is the, this is the reverse of that gamification you were just talking about. Like our job is to serve our, our clients, find them jobs. Period. And careers, I like that. Um, do, do you find that you, someone comes to you, I introduced someone to you yesterday who I think you could help. Uh, do you have a kind of a career-long relationship with those people, or is it more transactional? Well, the, the hope is that you will have career-long relationships with people. That That is the whole idea. So the longer that you're in staffing, so one of my recruiters has been in Santa Barbara for over 17 years. Wow. And she has helped a number of people find more than one job. So, sure. yes, that is the point, is to develop a, a long-term career relationship. Um, sometimes it's up to our candidates if, that, if that's what they want. Sometimes they only want a transactional. Like, could get me that job. Just give me a job. I need to make some money because I need to pay off a bill or I need to buy a bike or <laughs> whatever it is. And then they just go on their way. But, yes, that is our goal. There's, there's so much related to this world, and you, you sit at the lifeblood of all of these companies because we can't do it without employees. And we can't, you know, as an entrepreneur, you've got that great idea, and then I have to start hiring people and staffing up. What is the, and we could probably go several ways in this, but what is the largest challenge that you're finding that businesses have right now in terms of finding people because it feels like it's a very competitive market. Oh, it's very it's very competitive. Yes. So it's probably 2007 level, definitely. What does that mean? So that was before the great recession right. when 
unemployment, for example, in Goleta was less than 2%. And if you're breathing, you could get a job, right? <laughs> so then the recession happened. And when companies started hiring again, they were a lot more cautious about who they were bringing on board. I think there was so much money before that the things that maybe didn't they- Didn't matter. They didn't matter. They just hired people. So they're to, it's, more, it's definitely skill-driven now. So hard skills are, are what employers are looking for, and they're harder to find. So hard skills, people that can bring a return on investment soon. Right, because they're matching uh, how much revenue per employee, right? That's, a big, that's one of the big metrics. Yep. We, I, I do it that way. It's gross profit dollars exactly, per right? employee per week. Per week. Per week, we look well, at gross we profit. Today? That's right. Right. That's right. We have to know our break-even points. And of course. Exactly. I uh, have a friend who's a director of engineering of a local company, and they're not one of the huge tech companies because we've got four or five big tech companies all the way up to like Mind Body up in San Luis Obispo, and we've got you know Amgen down in the south, and lots of big companies in the middle, and they're all competing for a, a limited talent. Base. Around competition, what have you seen that works? So if we were to walk out into the other room and we now have a job fair and we've got those six companies come work for me, to your point, I'm aligned with the mission, Patrick. Um, what are you finding works for those people to attract uh, this scarce talent? Well, you know, now that's a generational issue now. So oh. uh, millennials aren't concerned just with money. I would normally say money, but m the younger generation just isn't. It's, it's the kind of company you are. It's what you do. It's how you treat your employees. It's what your mission is more than money. So the older generation, yes, money will do it because during the recession, people took jobs that were below what they normally get paid. And so now we're pulling people out of current jobs to move to better jobs where they're getting their pre-recession compensation. But generationally, yeah, so much different. So if your friend is looking for new graduates, that's more important is not just the money, but the kind of company it is and what you're doing and we have, what it means for them and what the experience is like. It, we, uh, our co-host on our other show is an accountant. And I said, would you ever consider working for the IRS? And he said, no, not politically. That's not my concern. But just the environment doesn't seem like a place I would want to. If I'm going to be an accountant, why would I want to do it at a place that doesn't have, you know, I'll go be an accountant for Facebook. I'll go be an accountant for Google because I can do the job. If you can sell tortillas anywhere, why not do it at the beach? Sure. There you go. That's exactly it. It's not just in the old days, get a BA in finance and go try to get the most expensive job you can and be miserable. I mean, the best compensated job and be miserable. So they want to be happy. And maybe I don't have to have the huge house in Malibu or Santa Barbara. I just need a nice place to live and that's close enjoy to myself and that's close to Ride work. And yeah. they'll let me off early so I can go surfing. And so <laughs> that's a big one. Uh, Mission statement. Yeah, we had we'll a, let you off early to go surfing. <laughs> we had a company here in Santa Barbara called Wavefront, which yesterday was our 31st, would have been our 31st birthday. And we had offices all over the world. And I remember specifically the Chicago office would always complain that he would call. And if he couldn't find people, they were either playing volleyball or getting a cappuccino or doing something like that. And uh, I've heard that 
bemoaned many times when surfs up, you know, people aren't at work. I'm going to go back to this idea of millennials because this comes up in our conversations here in the 805 a lot. Uh, the millennial generation uh, constitutes one third of the population on the planet today. They're the next baby boomer. They're bigger yeah. than we were. Bigger I'm a, than the baby I'm a boomer yeah. and bigger than us. And I think if you're in business and you're not paying attention to understanding millennials, you're 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 losing out. Uh, there's a great book uh, that I'm in the middle of now by Bursting called Fast Future. And it's how the millennials are shaping the world. And I think anybody who's in business, they're either selling to millennials, they're hiring millennials. If they're not, they will be. And I'm curious, let's talk about the millennial business owner who comes to you and says, I need to get people. What what, are, what questions aren't they asking you, or what are things are they not paying attention to? The, the millennial yeah. owner? Yeah, the one who's engaging you to, to, you know, they're just getting going. I need some people. I heard this podcast. I want to talk to Trish. How do they, what, what's that conversation like? Well, I imagine that they're um, asking more about where the people come from, um, what's important to them. Uh, what they like to do, how much social media experience they have. Oh. Uh, millennials, that's the first thing they do is check out your website to see how friendly it is and if it's cool or not. My son's a millennial, so that's exactly what he does. Goes to see what social media you're engaged in. Do you, um, so based on that, do you counsel your employers, the, your clients, to kind of beef that up, to pay attention to that, to say if you're going to attract these types of people, hey, this old 1980s website with green and gold is not going to work. Just one of the things that Spherion has to, exactly for our clients is called the Emerging Workforce Study. And it's a, oh. like an employee opinion survey sure. over the last 30 years. And they talk about the different generations and who you need to appeal to. And there's a social media piece to the Emerging Workforce where they talk about if you're not reaching out to your the millennial generation, you're going to be in trouble. And they talk about how much social media has just um, increased. What's well, changed you know, everything. A hundredfold. <laughs> it's changed everything. And your employees want to be able to engage right. with you in a different way. They don't want to walk into your office and talk to the HR person anymore. They want to engage differently. It's a little more impersonal. Is, is that um, giving you an opportunity for... Uh, retraining managers and leaders? It should. It should. I'm not sure that they all get the message. So when I was in HR, we did employee opinion surveys. Obviously, they were a lot low-tech back then. Now they sure. do them on an app on a phone. Sure. But um, we had the same messages 30 years ago. So the message leadership, hasn't changed. The, the... Really, the message and what employees want. You know, maybe some... Things have changed for technology, but really what an employee wants out of their job is to have some personal satisfaction, to have a supervisor that understands them, mm -hmm. um, to get some time off, to be with their family. That hasn't changed, really. I don't think it'll change with millennials either. But whether or not leadership gets it, that will be the success of your company. There's an interesting post that came out this week by... Um the gentleman who was the founder of the X Prize, and uh, Peter Diamandis. 
and it's all about millennials in the workforce. <clears throat> and the number, he, he contrasted and compared millennials and the boomers. And the number one thing by an order of magnitude of importance to millennial employees was that there was training and a chance to advance their career through learning more things. And that was actually the least important to the boomer. And it's, it's it, the, the phase shift is, is very, very interesting. So that's just... And millennials don't have a problem quitting and going to another place, you know? Well, because are you hearing them? They're not looking at... This is, again, with your long-term relationship with them, this idea that they're not looking at one company cradle to grave at remotely because that's that has been shattered, that American dream. And then I have another question. Well, oh, please. Well, I'm so fascinated by this idea of... of of the entity of the recruiter who's who, or the staffing company um, because I see so much just hiring of friends. And, and so could you like, like build out that, that argument for me of that so often it's like just they hire who, who do you know? And then they bring in their friends. Is that a successful strategy versus, you know, going to Spherion and this idea of like getting a professional to do it for you? Right. So the reason that we're more successful, like again, is identifying the cultural matches, but then also, assessing hard skills and soft skills we, we we do this for a living so if you're in a company and you are we we service small to medium-sized businesses those that yep. can't afford to have a full-time recruiter or hr department is too busy with other things and you know that's what we do we do it every day we talk to people all the time we meet people all the time we find people that you could never find um and then that must be fun by the way it, it's a lot of fun yeah it's it's a fun part of the job people you meet people all the time people are so different and unique as we all know and it's just really really interesting mm -hmm. um but we're able to do uh, the soft skill assessments and hard skill assessments and the kind of interview questions that we ask um what's your favorite what's your favorite interview question it's usually a situational question so i say you know this has happened in your department someone has called in sick and you have a special project that has to be done by three o'clock tell me what you would do in that kind of instance so mm. we give them um, a problem solve uh, yeah circumstance and say well how did you react or what what would you do so that we have a you know a real time real time question rather than like just go through, well, you worked here and you stayed here. If you were a bird, what kind of bird would you right, be? <laughs> right, right, So you need to find out how they would react in certain circumstances. And then the more the longer we get to know the client, then we know that they're the right match. And, yes, you can hire your friends and it's less expensive, but I don't think the success factor is that good. We learned a trick from Chet Holmes, who's passed on now, but he is the salesman salesman. And he taught you how to hire salespeople. And he tells this great story where you've got the perfect person. And they've gone through all the interviews. This is, this is the person. And they're sitting at the desk. And this is the final interview. They've already talked to everybody. And you're like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe we're getting this person. And you look at him, and this was his test. He would say, you know, you've talked to Bob and Bill and Sue. You've done the test. You've done everything right. But you know, I'm just not feeling it. And then you shut up. And it's a test of ego strength. Because then that guy is either going to say, well, I guess you would know, and thanks for your time. Bye-bye. 
and that you feel like that's the perfect person, but in a sales situation, they're going to hear no a thousand times. Right. And how do they react to no? And the guy he hires will be the person who says, have you not been listening to me? Do you want me to go through it again for you and tell you exactly why I'm the only guy for this job? And then it's guy, oh, thank you for doing that. You're hired. So I, I've told that story many times and have said that. I'm just not feeling it. And just to see how convincing someone could be. Maybe you could add that one. That's great. I think that's great. I will add that one. <laughs> see what they do. I want to I talk to you about um, this. I'm going to go buzzword bingo here. Do it. Passive seekers and active seekers. We learned this uh, 10 years ago. We did a project with Monster.com and, and helped them create some connective tissue between their five development offices. And I learned these words. So um, I would think that you're very successful with passive seekers. So why don't you tell our listener, because there's only one the person we're in their head right now, that person what a passive seeker is. So passive seeker is someone that is not looking for a job. They are working at their current place of employment. They don't have their resumes posted on CareerBuilder or any other job board. You know, they would be open to an opportunity if the right one was just told to them. So that is who we go after, the passive seeker. Because you as an employer, you can post a job on Craigslist and you'll get all these active seekers, but you're probably not going to find the right one. It's the person that's out there that's already working. And when unemployment is low, like it is now, that is our main target, passive seekers. So they're sitting in their office. They like their job. But again, if somebody gave them a great new opportunity, they would jump at it. Or there was an interesting tweet about a job or an interesting Facebook post about a job. Or or if the transition was not such that it would disrupt them too much. Right. You know, that idea of like, I mean, because there might be a really great job in, in Indiana. But, you know, that's slightly outside the comfort zone. So, again, buzzword bingo, we would call that switching costs. Oh, that's fascinating. I'll write that one down. Yes. <laughs> switching costs. Right. So, when you sell software. costs and right? economics, right? I've, I've got to switch from cost. this thing I know right. to this thing I don't know. And, and I've got all that risk attached to it. Um, I'm going to go. So, back with passive seekers. Do you just, I mean, I, I can imagine if you were really aggressive, you just, you call the receptionist, you somehow get the employee list and you start calling those people. How, what's the new well, way know, to reach people them? People put their names and titles right on their websites now. So oh, you don't have to do that. Probably not too smart. You know, we, we were working with a client once who um, had someone who monitored, they, they had 10,000 employees. They had one person whose job was monitoring the employees' LinkedIn profiles. 70% of the employees at this company in the what I'm looking for, which is at the very bottom of your LinkedIn profile, right. job opportunities. <laughs> I was like, really? You, you, you say that. It's like and, marking single on Facebook when yeah. you're clearly, <laughs> when you're married. <laughs> yeah. yep. so, but, you know, we still do the old-fashioned way, too. We uh, just call up the receptionist and make up a story. Can I talk to Jane? Well, Jane. why do you want to talk to Jane? Well, I was referred to Jane by a friend of mine. Well, can I ask what the subject is about? Because <laughs> some receptionists do that. They They're train them to they are gatekeepers, so Yeah. You have to come up with a story sometimes. Chet has a whole section in one of his books on how to get past that person, how to make that person your best friend <laughs> and get them working for you. Um, one of the things we like to talk about on eight oh five conversations, something we call OMV. 
which is shorthand for what's your objective, what's your outcome that you're looking for, how do you measure that, how do you know when you got there, and what's the value to you when you get that. Do you have that kind of conversation when you're doing the discovery with uh, a potential client? Sometimes we do. Sometimes we don't. Uh, some clients don't really want to be partners. Really? They want us to be a vendor, just like any other vendor. So that's they the transaction versus a relationship. They don't see the value in that relationship. And I think part of that has to do with the staffing industry in general. How's uh, that? Uh, so historically, um, staff some staffing agencies, especially the corporate-owned agencies, don't have really good reputations. They have high turnover because they don't treat their own employees very well. Mm. Uh, employees tell stories to their clients and lie to them and say, this is a great person, you'll love them, when they probably haven't even met them. So when we come across clients like that, they've had bad experiences in the past, right. and so they really don't see any value in establishing a relationship. They want someone that's cheap, and they want them fast. And we've all seen that little... That little you can poster, have cheap, fast, or good. that one, pick cheap, two. fast, or good, pick two. Some of them are like that. But then we have other clients that do want to establish a relationship. We meet with them. We tell them what we're, what we are, what our mission is. Um, we go through why we're different from any other staffing agency, and w- what we can be successful at, and what we can do for them. So I try to make it as value added as possible, telling them why. Um, economically, we're really the best choice for them rather than doing it the old-fashioned way. So when you understand their outcome and you understand why that's valuable to them and how they would measure it, then that helps you find the best employee. Going back to an earlier thing you said, which was cultural match. And we talked about diversity and culture and figuring out who's going to be the best person you know, are they going to be comfortable with pizza Fridays or casual Fridays? Are they going to, they know that it's seven o'clock and you're not expected to go home. We, we have a culture where we work late, those kinds of things. Right. You figure all of that out. Right. And then uh, because we're part of Ronstadt, Ronstadt has strategic or national accounts with a number of very large companies all across the mm. U.S. And so there's already a blueprint on how this client is to be serviced. Um oh. A great deal of really large companies now use um, a vendor management system, or VMS, and they have a third party that acts as a go-between. So everyone is submitted into a tool, and so there are a number of tools these days. We have six or seven or eight different tools that we can use there. They include things like Field Glass and IQ Navigator and Beeline, and they're all specialty software because these large companies want control over their hiring process, and they want to see metrics. So mm, in that's these, the M. yeah, and so in these large clients with strategic accounts and blueprints, they have service level agreements um, oh. where there's a time to fill. Uh, really? You you promise that you'll give them a qualifying candidate like in forty eight hours. Um, really? They've already established the number of backgrounds they want. They'll say, "I want a seven year criminal background, ten panel drug test it has to be outside, um, two personal ref- two professional Did references, you say ten panel a drug ten panel test? drug screen." Right. They'll tell you whether we can do it in-house or it has to be outside. Obviously, if I go to a lab, it costs me thirty dollars. If I do it inside, it's three dollars. 
So yes, yes. So they have a number of service level agreements, and then they'll re- review your performance right. on a quarterly basis. Wow. And if you're not meeting those metrics, uh, they could possibly just kick you off the whole project. So clearly, when we ever service a Ronstadt account, we may, we want we don't want to be the lo- owner location that gets them kicked off an account. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> right. You pay close attention to that. But it's a huge business, a huge business. I've learned so much about it in the last eight years. I had no idea any of that stuff ever existed. It's uh, billions of dollars. Well, no, it's don't you just put an ad on Craigslist and just hire somebody? <laughs> that, it's all business works like that, it's, right? Uh, it's amazing. So when I was in HR, I used to order temps and um, uh. direct hires, uh, but I never did it from the other side. So I've learned a lot. In the last eight years, it's a heck of a lot more complicated than I ever thought. One of the objectives, one of the O's for 805 Connect is that as people are moving into the region, because there's so much hiring going on there, you know, the talent pool here is doesn't have everybody businesses need. So they're recruiting outside. And once they get over sticker shock of real estate and all the other things that it takes to move someone here... There's this secondary problem is what is the spouse or significant other going to do? And so there's a hope. This came from the San Luis Obispo Economic uh, Vitality Corporation, which was, is there a place where, okay, I'm coming here for this software job or an engineering job or manufacturing job. Where's my wife going to work? And we're going to live in Santa Maria, but we'll commute to slow, and maybe she's going to work in Goleta. Um, Do you help when you have that kind of situation. Do you work with the spouses? Does that come up a lot? We do. It, it, and it does come up a lot. There are a lot really? of people that relocate here. You know, Cottage Hospital sure. relocates a lot of people. Oh, and do they? Oh, yes, they do. And so we have spouses that we work with. Um, and I just recently helped a, a woman who had relocated to San Luis Obispo. Yeah. Her husband was with UPS, and he got transferred to the hub in SLO. And so she was looking for employment. She had a great resume. Mm. She's perfect. Oh, you I found, love that, I found don't her you? job in Paso Robles. Yeah, she's. Uh, it was exceptional. So we love when people relocate because it's a brand new candidate that none of our competitors have. Oh, right. So we can. Well, let's talk. About and usually, when someone has a company here in Santa Barbara has relocated someone and paid them, yes. you know, their spouses are usually. High-functioning, yes, quality people. <laughs> They're high-functioning, quality people. They haven't brought someone with them that has felonies and. <laughs> we What's wrong place. with a felony? We can't <laughs> place. Well, uh, probably six years ago, before social was as important as it is, um, we had uh, someone uh, pre-screen salespeople for us, and I said, "We're just too busy to even have that five-minute conversation." And so, having the first conversation with this guy, I Google him. And there are three websites with his name in it, which is why you don't want to work with this guy.com. Oh my. And with all the lawsuits against him and all that. And I was, and I, I, I had, it was my first question. I said, dude, what's up with this? And then he, you know, went into defensive posture, of course, but, you know, there was just three of them. And then I was like, you know, thanks, no thanks. And then I called them up. Uh, the people who recommend it says, oh, well, we can't trust social as a indicator. And I was like, really? He says, because that all could have been manufactured. And I said, you, did you not even Google it? So I'm curious, how do you go and Google these people as part of, is that just just part of the checklist now? You look at their tweets, look at their Instagram, look at all of those things. 
We check to see if they're on LinkedIn. But that's it? But usually not too much more than that, just because, yes, the Internet can be totally unreliable. You think that's going to change? Because what... what I uh, know our clients do it. I know they Google them. Right, because what you hear is someone will tell the high schooler, you know, that picture is going to live forever. Or the more maybe the UCSB partier, you know, we don't need pictures of you projectile vomiting uh, at a rage. But is is this back to that, that statement about millennials that... Um, or the Groucho Marx statement. Uh, I would I would never belong to a club that would have somebody me. like me. Yeah, yeah. and and I, I feel like with the millennials that that might be part of it, where it's like if that's the screener that's going to keep me from being in that company, if the moral judgment would be passed on me, you know, via a Google search, then that's probably not the place. You know, that, that that's huh. probably me too. Yeah, I think there's a privacy issue there. Interesting. Yet our lives are more transparent. If I'm hiring someone who's going to be a thought leader, I want to see what they think or what they've written, those kinds of things. I'm going to go, I'm going to be really interested in that. I mean, I I know, you know, in my business, people Google me all the time and want to go see what my point of view is and want to read those kinds of things. I've been telling my son that since he was 16. <laughs> be careful what you put right? on social media. Don't tweet stuff. They stay there forever. And one day you're in a job interview and they look back where you quoted some rapper in a tweet. Don't do it. And, okay, and, but to an argument point on that, the str- this, one of the struggles is I've had several friends that don't have a big enough social footprint and, and, and when they're going up for a job looking to be the social marketing person or looking to be the person who is, is in the company going to be the young and vibrant monitor of social media, and we turn and Google them, and it's like, oh, you crickets. You don't have an opinion on any of this. And it's like, well, I've been using an alias since I was 12. It's like, oh, okay. Interesting. There's a brand new um, software out called Crystal that <laughs> hooks into your uh, Gmail. And it just, I heard about it on NPR last week. And you go to LinkedIn, you can load this up in your Chrome browser, you go to LinkedIn, you're looking at that person, and then you hit Crystal, and what it does is it gives you, based on their profile of everything it can go find about them, how to approach them, how to craft an, it's basically how to craft an email for them. They like short, they don't like to be challenged, they don't like they don't like attachments. That's terrifying. They do, it is well. There, there's that debate right now is going on. Is it terrifying or is it good? Go try this because you'll be do it to yourself and see how accurate was that. And I think we're going to find more of those predictive kind of tools. Back to your, I you're saying we've got all these great resources. We've got all these great tools. We are. Coming to the, I mean, this was 45 minutes. This was really fast. Why so fast? Oh my gosh, what a great conversation. Thank you so much for helping us understand. I've got, uh, I want to ask you a question about education and events. Part of what our listener is interested in is growing their business and becoming better at what they do. Do you offer any kind of seminars or educational series or things like that that they could tune into? 
or attend? Well, uh, Spherion does. Yes. Um, if you uh, log in and register in our database, you will have access to everything in our Candidate Resource Center, okay. which includes lots of great tip, tips. Um, Career Builder and Monster do it as well. It's amazing what you can find on the internet now that will help you prepare for a job interview, help you get a job, help you look for a job, help you start a business. What about employers? Employer resources for the people that are like, they're just struggling with finding people. What's the best way to get in touch with you to have that conversation? Well, we're at spherion.com uh, backslash Santa Barbara. And of course, Trish Miller <laughs> but at now, spherion.com. There you go. And you're, and you're down in Ventura as well, right? We have an office that serves Ventura County and an yes. uh, office that serves Santa Barbara County. So we have an office in Oxnard and one in Goleta. Um, but we, ha we have some candidates in SLO as well. So we cover the whole. Do you go all the way to Conejo? We do. You do. So we you've do. got the whole so we got 805 Lake and Simi Valley and yes. They're all interesting areas. Well, thank they're, you. And they're all different too. Thank you so much thank you for, for having being me. a part of this conversation. Thank you for supporting 805 Connect. You know, we can't do this without your support. Patrick, thank you so much for supporting our podcast effort and helping us. It's so fun. Keep the conversations going. Well, till we talk again, thank you very much. It's Mark Sylvester from 805 Conversations. And uh, tell your friends if this was something interesting for you. And if you're not from the 805, go check us out at 805connect.com and sign up, meet some interesting people. Bye-bye.